Well, hey there, church. Happy New Year to you. So excited that you're here with us in our first sermon uh, of the new year of 2022. And so we hope that you had a great holiday season. My name is DJ. I'm the associate minister here at the summit and so glad that you have joined us online. Uh, it's a privilege really to kick off the new year with you. And I, I always find this time incredibly interesting. And I don't know if you experience this, but there's something that happens for me anyway when you turn that calendar page, right? When you go from December to January, when it's time to put up the new calendar or whatever that is for you, there's something, there's some sort of mental shift that happens in my mind uh, that just kind of makes it feel, right, like it's, it's a brand new start, right? Last year is over. We've closed the book. This year is just beginning. It's, it's, it's a time of beginnings, a time of redirects. It's a time of refocusing new goals, new dreams, new hopes, whatever that is. Uh, there's something about this time that seems, for many at least, to just breathe new life into us, to, to refuel our optimism and our outlook. In fact, I was I was joking with somebody uh, earlier that maybe we should start the kickoff to the new year by preaching out of Genesis 1, right? Because chances are many of us, myself included, we've started a new Bible reading plan probably in the last in the last day or two, and so we're probably all on the same page, right? At least for the time being. <laughs> and, and so, you know, but but that that's what it's about, right? It's about starting new, starting fresh. And having Goals is good, right? It's it's healthy even. This isn't uh, a message about being anti-New Year's resolution. I'm not anti-New Year's resolution. I, I make them for myself every year. But I think what many of us tend to do this time of year, or, or at least what I tend to do, isn't necessarily focus on making a new goal, but rather it's it's agonizing over making a new me. And there's a big difference there, right? There's a difference between here's what I would like to accomplish, right? Here's a goal that I would like to strive to. There's a difference between that and here's just how I wanna be better. Maybe maybe I, I, I wanna be a version of me that isn't as stressed as I was last year or isn't as discouraged as I was last year, or isn't as frustrated or as cynical or as weary as we felt last year. And so many of us, we, we end the year just on fumes, right? I mean, <laughs> we're tired, we just made it through the, the crazy busy holiday season, right? That just, it's kind of a whirlwind, right? And, and probably even more than that, Right, the whole year just kind of wore us down, just bit by bit. And I, I'm not just talking about last year. I'm not just talking about the the unique situation of of 2021. I'm, I'm talking about every year, right? We go through this every year that we start our tank full in January, and by December 31st, we're just done. Right? We're just tired, and we tell ourselves, "Okay, now." is the time I will be better. And what I'm beginning to learn is that when I tell myself that, in that moment, 
I've already failed. I'm not any better. I want you to hear these words as we start today. These are, these are the words of Jesus, and I, I want you to hear these as the first words of Scripture that we are declaring as a church as we start this year. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As we were planning out our, our sermon series for this year, we, we tried to, to plan it out, you know, six months at a time or so. And, and so as we're planning this, we, we really just wanted to spend the first part of the year talking about what it means to be with Jesus what it means to walk with Jesus. Kind of answering this question, right? If we are followers of Jesus, we need to ask ourselves regularly, who is this Jesus that we follow? And we want to approach it this morning by asking the question, what is Jesus like? And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at that and, and what was his mind like and what was his heart like and, and what does he do and how should that influence us? And as we read these, this verse from Matthew, we hear this call initially that Jesus himself says, come to me in our weariness, in our heaven, heaviness, and I will give you rest. And what's interesting about this is that it's, it's how he approached people. He approached people, no matter who they were, he, he approached them with an invitation to come. But the question still remains as you, look to the, as you look at this passage is, well, what is he like? What is it within him that, that moves him to ask us to come to him, to be with him, to follow him, to do what he does? And as we read through the Gospels, right, we hear so many things about Jesus. We hear the words that he spoke. We see the ways of Jesus. We see his methods of ministry. We hear stories. We, we just spent so much time looking at the story of his birth. In a few months, we're going to look at the story of his death and his resurrection, right? We, we know this, but there's only one part in the entirety of the Gospels that Jesus opens the curtain and shows us into his heart, where Jesus invites us to look at who he is. And that's in Matthew 11, verse 29. Listen to this, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here's where he opens the curtain. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's interesting, really, I mean, of all the possible qualities that you might expect to find at the heart of Jesus, at the forefront of who Jesus is at his core, would you say that it would be gentleness and lowliness? I'll speak for me. I mean, it's, it's surprising. 
right? It's not often things that we think about. And so as we begin this year, I, I wanna ask you this, what if we don't need to focus on being a better version of ourselves? What if the only thing that we should focus on this year, next year, 10 years from now, is understanding the heart of Jesus? And so that's what I wanna do this morning. I wanna to begin to unpack what is at the heart of Jesus. And so let's start there. Let's, let's get to the heart of Jesus. You know, when the, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about, you know, the emotions or, or love or, or those things that our culture kind of thinks about when it talks about the heart. What it's talking about is the core of your being, who you are, what it is that defines you, what's the most true about you. It's what you're known for. The, it's interesting, actually, the Greek word for this, it means your bowels, right? Like the, the depths of who you are. And have you, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what do you want to be known for? Uh, people, they want to be known for so many things, right? Your intelligence, your beauty, your money. Uh, you want to be known uh, to be for a specific cause or a movement. My whole life, it's interesting really, I wanted to be known as the guy who wouldn't shy away from any challenge, right? I remember this as a kid. I, I always wanted to be known as the guy who would do whatever somebody asked. I remember we, I was playing on a trampoline with my friends one day and we're all just jumping on the trampoline and, and somebody just flippantly said, you know what would be cool? If we could jump off the deck onto this trampoline. And in that moment, I stopped everything. And I looked at my friends and said, everybody grab part of the trampoline. And we moved it over by the deck and I got up on the deck and I jumped off the deck onto the trampoline and it ended very, very, very poorly, right? Because when you jump down from that height, you go up again a great height and you're completely out of control. But, but that's what I wanted to be known for. I want to be known for the guy that's like, yeah, I'll do that. And in my mind, I kind of had like this, oh, I'm going to be like um, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's character from Predator, right? Never back down, super tough guy. Or or like James Bond or uh, or that guy from the Free Solo documentary. I don't know if you've seen that, who climbs the the El Capitan you know, mountain uh, without a rope and all that stuff. I was like, that's, that's how people are going to see me. But it leads then to the second question. What are you actually known for? Because a lot of times what we want to be known for and what we're actually known for, unfortunately, can be two different things. You know, when, when I thought I was being like James Bond, my friends looked at me like I was a dummy, right? I was, I was uh, Clark Griswold or I was Mr. Bean, right? But think about that. Maybe what you're actually known for by your family, by your friends, by your coworkers, isn't something that you're actually too proud of. But that's where these words of Jesus should lay heavy on us. Because what does he say? I am gentle in heart. 
Dane Ortland, who, who wrote the book. Uh, it's called Gentle and Lowly. He said it this way. He says uh, that the best way that we can define Jesus' gentleness quality of his heart is this, that he's not trigger happy. He's not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most, most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Let me sum it up for you this way. When I see gentleness at the heart of Jesus, I see everything that I am not. I mean, go through that list, right? I'm trigger happy. I can be harsh. I'm definitely reactionary, easily exasperated, right? All of those things. But when we look into the heart of Jesus, here's, here's what we need to understand. It not only exposes us to the innermost recesses of his being, but it also reveals ours as well. But he still says, come. Come to me. And the, the second quality that, that he says there is he's lowly. Oxford Dictionary, it defines lowliness in this way because it's kind of a tricky word for us to understand, but it says it's humble in feeling or demeanor, not proud or ambitious. Essentially, it's, it's this. It's, it's not uh, having or demonstrating any feelings of superiority or showiness, which I find interesting when we look at Jesus because when you look at... Uh, at this word, and when you try to get to the heart of Jesus, it's difficult to translate because on the surface, I think our culture views lowliness as a weakness, right? That, that we would say that somebody that, that doesn't have ambition or doesn't have pride or uh, doesn't exercise their authority, right, that they're, they're weak, right? You can't be a good leader if you're lowly. But, but biblically, rest assured here that lowliness is not a weakness. Rather, it's something that Jesus refers to as strength. That, that he has all authority, all power, can do anything. But yet, he exercises it under control. He had authority, but he knew how to control it. And he knew when to exercise it. And at the same time, while he walked on earth, clothed in flesh, he was still totally reliant, totally obedient, totally submissive to the Father. And it's these two hugely powerful but culturally opposed qualities that we find at the heart of Jesus. Gentleness and lowliness. And, and so think about this. Is this the Jesus that you know? Is this the Jesus that you know? And so that brings us then to our second thing. How do we know the heart of Jesus? I, I could ask you this. How do you feel about things that you don't understand? I hate it. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I don't like knowing, or sorry, I don't like not knowing how something works. 
When, when I was a kid, I was, I was that kid who would always take apart things that I probably shouldn't have taken apart, right? Calculators, remotes, video game controllers, VCRs, yes. Uh, I did get at the heart of a VCR once. Um, and I, I, the goal of that for me was just to see how they worked. And then the second goal was to see if I could put them back together. And more often than not, I did not achieve that goal. But, uh, but I want to know, I have this mind that I just, I want to know how things work. I came across an article the other day. It was the 25 things that most people should know by the time they're 25. And so if, if you're, you're watching and you're, you're under 25, take note of this. If you're over 25, take note of this. Uh, but let me give you the top five. And so the top five, number five was how to change a tire. So, so hopefully you know how to change a tire. Number two, or, or sorry, number four was understanding a mortgage and a 401k. And I don't know that I'm quite there yet. <laughs> the, the, the next one, number three, working with fractions. I'm just going to be honest, fractions and me don't get along, right? But working with fractions. Uh, number two, the number two thing, how to talk to strangers. Something that they say that you should know how to do by the time you're 25. And the number one thing that they would argue every person should know how to do by the time they're 25 is how to ask for help. And there are probably many of us who are well over 25 that still don't quite have that one figured out. But the point of that is there's so much stuff that we don't know or understand. And, and maybe you know all five things that I just mentioned, but I bet I could come up with a giant list of things that you don't know. And, and to push it a little bit further, I think it, at times what's worse than when we don't know something is when we think we know something, but we're completely wrong, right? Anybody who, who has ever made a habit of DIY projects, you probably know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I know how to fix that, right? And then it doesn't take long for you to realize, oh wait, you're way in over your head, but you're not gonna admit it, right? Maybe that's just me, I've been there several times. But my proposition for you today is, is to think, do you truly know the heart of Jesus? Or do you just think you know the heart of Jesus? We, we live in a world where it's so easy to let other people or to let our culture form so many of our thoughts or beliefs. And so many times, unfortunately, those cultural-shaped beliefs and views work their way into how we look at Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, no, no, DJ, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I read my Bible. I, I'm pretty sure I know the true heart of Jesus. And all I want to do in this moment is just challenge you. Do you really? Because have you ever thought that Jesus was ashamed of you or angry at you or condemning you? Have you ever thought that Jesus was too big or too small to hear your problems or your worries, your fears, your feelings? Have you ever felt that Jesus was just a little too mushy for you? Or maybe he was too harsh for you? Or too meek? Or too strict? And I say that because, I mean, again, just look, when you look at the disciples... Twelve guys who spent three years of their life 
with Jesus. And they didn't even understand his true heart. Is it possible that maybe you and I still have room to learn the true heart of Jesus? It's true that the, the word of God reveals the heart of God. Praying to God reveals the heart of God. Being with Jesus reveals the heart of Jesus. And what I would say to us is this, that seeking to know the heart of God is a serious endeavor. Because when we know the heart of God, it should change our lives. And when we understand Jesus as being gentle and lowly in heart, then you really see the beauty in his words from Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Look at who Jesus is making an appeal to here. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the weary. He's talking to the burden. He's calling out ones who are weary from their sin or burdened by the realities and trials of life. The one who feels like they can't go on any further. To, to these ones, he beckons with this invitation to come. And when they come, when they understand his very heart, what will they find to the sinner and the tired? They'll find rest. To the ones who are deserving of judgment, they'll find gentleness. To the ones who are overwhelmed, they'll find a lowly, approachable, loving Savior who will give them strength. And it's in this gentle and lowly nature of Jesus that we find everything we need for our very souls. And so lastly then today, what's the invitation? It's quite simple really. Jesus just says, come. It's so simple, but it's also so overwhelming. Because I think a lot of times we believe that he is gonna give us a list of tasks to accomplish or, or there's prerequisites that go with it that, that surely he doesn't mean come as we are. Surely he means come as a better version of yourself. But he doesn't give us that list. He doesn't tell us the things that we need to fix first. You know, our, our culture is so drawn to self-help, to these improvement models of how we can become better. But unique to anyone else in history, Jesus offers a simple solution to the problem that overwhelms us all. And the solution is himself. And when he says, come, come to my heart, where you find gentleness, where you find lowliness. What he's saying is believe in who I am, believe in the core of my being, 
and therefore believe in what I am able to do for you. If you're weary, come find rest. If you're burdened, come find rest. Because Jesus knew that, that in the brokenness and the heaviness of this world that we live in, that the only solution was himself. Not only the sacrifice of himself, but the invitation. The invitation to look into his very heart and to come and to be with him. And friends, that is the yoke that he asks us to put on. The yoke of believing, the yoke of abiding, the yoke of trusting and following him. That what's, what's happening here is this yoke exchange. That we give him the heavy burden of our brokenness and of our condemnation. And he, in return, because of who he is, he gives us the burden to trust him and to rest in him. So let me ask you again. Is that the Jesus that you know? Let's pray. God, we, we thank you. We thank you for this invitation to come to be with you, to abide and rest in you. God, for this revelation of, of the core of your heart, the place where we do find gentleness and lowliness, but the place where we find comfort and peace and rest and strength. And so, God, I pray that as we embark on this next year, God, that it wouldn't be about us becoming a better person, but, God, that our focus, our goal, our drive would be to sit in your presence and understand your heart, to learn from you. And in doing so, learning what you've given to us. God, might we rest who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. We conclude each service with a blessing, a reminder of the truth of who God is, of his word. And this morning, our blessing is Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I invite you wherever you are to extend your hands as you receive this knowledge from what God said. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.